The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for the games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Harry and Hermione of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Kyle. And joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who gets none of the credit, but is the only reason we're a success, Josh, how are you doing this evening? That makes me Hermione, right? That is correct. That 100% makes you Hermione. Okay. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I mean, how... Could you not be? That's true. Uh, I just wanted to comment how professional our guest is. I don't think I've ever seen a muted microphone on our podcast ever. I know. It's pretty great, right? <laughs> so Let's... I just wanted to point that out while we were, while we were doing this. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Just saw the King and I. Uh, it was very interesting. It's great to get out to the theater and enjoy ourselves, be adults for a little bit. Although I did turn over at intermission and say, I'm so tired. I feel like an old man. <laughs> so, and how do you recharge? Josh that? being exhausted continues. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you recharge? You come back and you record a podcast. Like every other time, you're exhausted. Apparently, I catch I catch second winds after podcasts, which I'll talk about later. So, hopefully, this sends me on my merry way for the rest of the night. <laughs> that sounds great. And as you alluded to, you know, Harry and Hermione were an excellent duo. Uh, but they had an equally important third, and we have recruited our own Ginger to fill Ron's role, and he's the first guest we have ever had on Board with Video Games. So if you're a fan of PSVG, this man needs no introduction. That's correct. It is Food Network's own Justin Warner. How are you doing this evening, Justin? Red hair and a hand-me-down robe? Must be a Weasley. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Kevin, Kevin Austin, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. Not as good as Justin, but hey, I'll take it. You know, it's a good oh. second place there. It's so weird to when you like, it's like talking about yourself in the third person. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Not as good as Kevin. <laughs> so obviously we're really thrilled to have Kevin here with us tonight. Our first guest we've ever had. So will the episode be a little more off the rails than typical? Probably. But Kevin, we've had this debate before online in our Discord, which you can all head over to PSVG's pin tweet, join us on the Discord there. Who of those three is the most important in, a, in making sure the mission is accomplished? Hermione, Ron, or Harry? I mean, it depends on the actual mission, but nine times out of ten, it's actually Ron or Hermione that is the... Uh the driving force of completing things. Harry Harry gets him into the mess. It's one of the other two that always gets him out of it. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter is no good. It's true. Harry Potter is no good. <laughs> I would argue Ron is almost equally worthless. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you get to Deathly Hollows, though. I, also, mean, I remember you're calling Kevin Ron, so that's well, like a well, I'm, 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 I'm making myself Harry in this situation, so clearly... <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, he does like one good thing, but it didn't have to be Ron who did it. I mean, really, Neville's way more important. Yeah, I knew you could bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) 
But anyway, hey, this isn't a Harry Potter podcast, though I really sometimes wish it was. This is a gaming one. I know, right? <laughs> this is a gaming podcast. So thanks for much, so much for joining us this week. As always, any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out all the great things Josh posts. You can head over to Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. And B O A R D with Thank VG. No, and also don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's gotten back into that. I tried to break him of the habit. Uh, and always, I'm still waiting for that first excellent fan fiction, but if you want to email us in long form, you can email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com, and I always use that hashtag boardwithvg, so on all the social medias, so we know what everyone is up to. So enough of the housekeeping things. Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Great question. I tried to get Jurassic Park Danger to the table a couple times. Didn't happen. I don't think the wife's super excited to play it <laughs> but it will happen um we played Faye, so as a late mother's day gift to the mother of my child uh a couple of months back she showed interest in it by i think tweeting it at me or something uh this game it's by z-man games it's uh eye-catching right away it's very colorful uh very nice uh, I'm looking bored. Uh, we didn't really know much about it. I, you know, if she shows interest in the game, I tend to kind of just foster that interest and, and grab it because we play so many games that I prefer and like, that it's nice to, and after flip ships, like I, I owed her. So, um, so she didn't want to play a game last night, but we were just kind of sitting around. I kind of forced her to play cause it's, it's a 20 minute, uh, game, uh, after you learn the rules. And it's only four page rule books, so right away appealing. <laughs> so uh, to explain this game, you can it's two to five players. You play as I'm gonna call them spirits only because I don't have the the box next to me to give you the technical names of all these things as usual. Um, and you select your spirits in secret. So the spirits are so are, are Different colors, red, green, blue, gray, and orange, we'll say. And what you you select the character, they're doled out to all the players. You look at them secretly, you put them down, and your goal is to score the most points to win the game. You have a victory point track, very similar to Ticket to Ride on the board. And you have um, this huge board that I would compare to... Um, Small world, if you're familiar with it, where it's like continents almost, so not or territories set up, divided by rivers and lakes. Each section is going to get one. I'm going to call them minions. They have a different name, but they're these little cool little. Um, they're not plastic figures, but they're a little bit better quality um, figurines that you put up, and you can see the pictures on Instagram. And on your turn, you are literally just moving one territory to another. So if there's one piece on a territory, one character, you move that color into another territory with another color in it. And then if you move that said territory two turns later or one turn later, you move every um, character and every minion as one into another adjacent area. You can cross over lakes, but you cannot. So you can cross over rivers, but you can't cross over lakes. So if you're ever adjacent to a lake, that's where you are. So as you do this, you'll be moving these characters through territories until uh, a territory is completely isolated. Uh, and then that territory will score immediately. So if we moved all of these characters into one 
territory, you'll score and you have uh, decks that are ranged from one to five, which have a blessed and cursed land on them. They also have a point value. So you look at the blessed land and if your characters are on that land type, you'll get a bonus. If it's on a cursed land, one of two different things can happen. So as an example, we'll say we have a a land that has two yellows, a blue, and an orange. If we flip over a blessed area and it's a one point, you're going to score victory points for every character. So if there's five characters on that spot, you're going to get five victory points plus the one blessed uh, bonus. And every color on that will move. Now, you don't know what your opponent's color is, and neither do they, but also everyone scores even if they're not playing. So if, the, if there's no... You could consider them like AI. You're playing against like an AI. If there's two yellows, you still only move one space for yellow. Your movement isn't doubled. So every color would move ahead five or six, depending on the scoring. If it's curse land and there's one of each color, all the no score happens. All the pieces are taken off the board. If there's two reds and a blue, you take off duplicates. So you take off a red, put it back in the box, and then you would score that land. You do this until either the, there's no more legal moves to make or you run out of cards with the bonuses on them. So I hesitate to call it abstract, but I, I think it might be very, very close to an abstract game. Um, it moves very quickly. You're literally taking a turn, move, and then the next person moves. And then you move, and then they move until scoring happens. So uh, very strategic, and it doesn't hurt that it's nice to look at, if that makes sense. So it doesn't sound like this game is extremely complicated. No, not on its face. Okay. Would you, who would you recommend it to? Like what other games is it? I mean, is it just if you enjoy abstract, abstract strategy, you should try it? Yeah, it's an abstract people mover, if that makes, if that, if that works. Uh, who would I recommend it to? People who want something that is different, that they probably haven't played before. Because I can't really give it a solid comparison to another game. I can give it a really solid comparison to another Ooh, game. Give me. Have you, have you ever heard of the game Clans? No. Oh, because this is literally, uh, the game Clans came out early 2000s. This is just a re-theming of that game. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, if you have, so then there you go. So people who have played clans, perfect for you. <laughs> people like me who had no idea what that is. <laughs> this is a new game. <laughs> That's okay. That's what I was saying. But I was like, that—that that is at least one other game that is that is really similar to I will Faye. say, uh, we'll play it again. We need, to, I need to reread the rules or watch a video for some rule clarification. So I feel like we may have... Uh, missed a couple things. I'm just not sure if they're big or small things. Um, we also played in a rush because we played like 40 minutes before I was on a podcast. So we were like, okay, all right, let's keep moving. So not a lot of time for stopping and thinking. Gotcha. Um, but but I, I really enjoyed it. Okay. Awesome. Well, it goes for, I think it retails 40 bucks at FLGS. So you could probably get it for 30 bucks on like Miniature Market or cool stuff and graphic design and stuff all solid looks, yeah check out the pictures i mean i think it looks awesome it's definitely a certain type of design though so it might not be for for everybody gotcha anything else you've been playing for board games no 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 i have lucidity i'm dying to play it yeah uh, so that that is finally out out and i know i can solo it 
Uh, but, you know, if I can play a game solo right now, I'm playing a video game. Gotcha. So, um, hopefully next week I'll have some fun games to report back about. Awesome. Hey, and the reason he got on this podcast is because he's been playing so many board games. <laughs> Kevin, what have you been playing on your tabletop? So actually, I'll, I'll preface this first with uh, Josh mentioned the Jurassic Park game, and I, I've been eyeing it and I wanted to get it. And we were in Target today, um, picking up some birthday gifts for other people. And we were kind of walking around Target and I was pushing the baby in the, in the carriage and I'm walking by the board game section, and my wife's in front of me at this point. And I kind of stop, and she does not even turn around and goes, "Keep walking. You have too many. You haven't even played yet." So, <laughs> did not happen. I do not have a Jurassic Park game yet. We'll see. Maybe Father got a target by yourself, or just yeah, order things online and they mysteriously show up at your house. I don't not know. that I do that. I, I ordered it and I got it free for review. That's what it was. I didn't buy it. No, um, maybe Father's Day. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing. Uh, there's there's a guy who I work with uh, who plays a lot of, of board games, like way more than than I do and plays, you know, the more advanced stuff like you guys play. Uh, and then he kind of approached me and was like, you know, we had some job transitions at work and it turns out now we're on the same team, if you will. So he's kind of been a little more uh, day-to-day interaction with them. So he's like, hey, if you ever want, he's like, I have tons of games and we could find ones that we can play during the lunch hour in the cafeteria. It's not a big deal. He's like, I have most of the time I have some with me so we can do some if you want. I was like, you know what? Why not? I, My lunch break is either I'm running around doing errands or I'm playing Switch. So why not add board games to the mix? So so we did. Um, the one I'll talk about tonight, I believe it's pronounced Targi, T-A-R-G-I. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to try and explain it the way you guys do. You guys are so much better at this than I ever could be. But um, it's a worker placement game. Uh, and the board basically consists of a five by five grid uh, a border of 16 squares with action symbols like uh, pick up this extra resource or transfer resources for gold or such and such. Um, and then there's nine blank squares in the middle that are either tribe cards or resource cards. And what you do is you have your little your little meeples and you can place them one at a time on the squares on the border. Um you cannot put them in the corner squares because those are uh, actions that you can't uh, control, basically. Those are, you have to pay to continue playing the game, basically. You have to give up resources. Um, but you cannot place your meeple across, uh, well, on the square that your opponent already has or directly across from them. So you're both trying to strategically place your characters around the board. Um, you get three of them. And anytime at the, if you all place your uh, meeples there, wherever your two meeples, your two meeples interact, like cross in line of vision, you put a marker there and you get that card in the middle of that. And you'll be able to do that twice on the map there. Um, the premise of the game is kind of to build your tribe uh, as best you can. So you, on your scoring, you get three rows of four cards that you fill from left to right. Um, and sometimes you can swap them around to do better placement for you. Uh, because if you get uh, four cards, all the same type of card, you get a bonus. And if you have uh, four cards and every single one's completely different, you get a bonus for that when it comes down to scoring. Uh, the tribe cards basically is what you place in that three rows of four cards or 12 scoring points there. And there's um, uh, an Oasis card. There's a campment card. There's a camel rider card. There's a Targi card. There's all these different categories, but they'll have like perks. Like, Hey, if you get this card, you can pay one less resource to get another card kind of deal. And there's different perks to doing it. Um, and basically you go around one rotation of the board um, or whoever fills their 12 scoring cards first, and then you have to stop the game at that point, and you tally up your victory points, they're called, that are marked on the bottom of each one there. Um, I personally hadn't played anything like this. This was a little more 
out of my comfort zone, I think, because most time when I do play games, it's something we can play as a whole family. Uh, and this isn't one that I would pick up and say, hey, I think the kids really enjoy this one. Uh, it's a two-player game, too. Um, but it's pretty fun. And the, and the cool thing is, is once you know the game, you can play a match in like 30, 45 minutes. So it fits really well in that lunchtime break there. Um, so that, that's been a lot of fun. We've played that like four four times now, I think. He beat me the first two times. We actually tied the third time. And the fourth time we played last week, I actually beat him. So nice. he was a little impressed. He's like, you picked up on this quick. He's like, we're going to start doing some more um, advanced games. I think he said he's bringing in Abzu. Is that one? Yeah, really, Abzu. No, Azul, Azul. Azul. That's what it is. Abzu is a video game. Yes, that's. Uh, I was confusing. So yeah, <laughs> you somewhat bring it. Yeah, Azul you, you somewhat bring that one in. Um, and we played Arboretum to as Arboretum. well. Arboretum, yes, yeah. which is like the card uh, forest building game there too. So it's been a lot of fun. So they're definitely games that I would not have had the opportunity or normally the willingness to just pick up and play. But because he has them, he's like, hey, let's just keep bringing in games each other and we'll learn each other's kind of games and play that way there too. So uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun. And that, that's a game that like now, if I can convince my wife to try something like that, I, that's when I would pick up and say, hey, we can sit down and play a couple rounds. That's really easy to, to grasp once you play it. Um, there is some strategy involved, but a lot of it is the luck of what cards you end up drawing. Because as you build your tribe, once you pick up a tribe card, you either have to pay the resources to, to play it on your thing, or you can hold one. Any other cards you pick up, if you can't pay the resources, you have to discard them and you lose that card forever. So it's a matter of like you need to do things strategically and manage your resources, your salt, your dates, and pepper are the three resources you gather to pay for your your tribesmen. But yeah, it's really cool. I definitely recommend it for anybody that's into worker placement, but it's a nice easy game that you can get done in an hour and not have to worry about sitting down and playing something for three or four hours uh, if somebody's maybe not a little gun shy as far as playing these types of games. Sure. Awesome. And the cool thing about Targi too is that, I mean, it's not old by any means. I think it came out in like 2012. There's, 2012. A, sec- yeah, there's a second edition that you can pre-order now uh, yep. that's coming out at the end of June. And it's pretty inexpensive. Like if you order online, it's like 15 bucks. Yeah. So nice. yeah, super way- easy way to get into it. It's a really w- well-respected game. I've yet to have a chance to try it. But now that I see it sitting here on cool stuff for pre-order, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it is pretty cool. It's super, it's super easy to learn how to play, but it, it is fun. And there's definitely there's definitely some strategy involved because he's obviously played it way more times than me. I mean, he's at the point he has an app in his phone that keeps track of all of his wins and losses and who's he's played against and everything like that. Like he's hardcore about it. And he's like, man, he's like, nobody's beat me this quick in this game before. Um, so he and he has a lot more experience than I do, but it's uh it's definitely something that's easy to learn, but probably tough to master. Very cool. Well, speaking of a game that's super easy to learn and a game that I don't know if it's tough to master, but it takes a little bit of practice, I'm going to talk tonight about a, another two-player game uh, called Japur. I'm not certain if anyone has played Japur, but it's a nice little card game, pretty light game as well, but just a two-player card game. And in Japur, you are a trader. And what you do on your turn is one of two things. Well, you have four options really, but you're either taking cards or selling cards. Those are the two things that you're going to do. And basically what you do is you start the game. There are five resources in the middle of the table that are for both players. And then you have a hand of cards. You can have up to seven cards in your hand and either you're on your turn. You can take a resource, uh, one single good from the group of five and refill it. You can take all of the camels. So camels are another thing, another card set that don't go into your hand. You have a, a separate herd of camels that you have sitting in front of you. So you can take a single good, take a camel, or exchange goods and camels for several cards that are in the center of the table. So that's it. You're either taking a card in one of those ways, or you can sell cards by turning them into the market. Um, when you sell or into the discard. When you sell cards, 
the higher numbers that you sell them of, the more points you're going to get. So if you have like a group of three or a group of four, you're going to get more points for selling those cards back. And uh, also the sooner you sell those groups of cards, um, it's going to have descending values at sale. So when you first sell gold, for instance, the first two cards might be worth five points and then the third card might be worth three. So it encourages you to get cards sold quickly uh, in order to make that happen. And then um, when, if you turn in a group of three, a group of four, or a group of five, you get a separate bonus point token that you draw when you turn that in. And obviously, the more cards, the higher value that bonus point token is going to be worth. However, your opponent doesn't know how much it's worth. And then someone who has uh, the largest herd of camels at the end of the game also gets points for having the largest herd of camels. As soon as um, every resource has a limited number of sales that can be made, and once you run out of selling resources for, or once you run out of tokens for three of the resources, the game is over. And you count up, you know, whoever, like I said, whoever has the most camels then gets points for those camels, and you just see who has the highest points, and that's it. So overall, pretty straightforward and simple game as far as sit down, play, you either take some cards or you sell some cards, and that's all you're doing. But again, a game that from a strategy perspective, it becomes kind of a mind game with the person that you're playing against because you can see the cards they take. So you know exactly kind of what goods are going for and what resources are trying to sell. You know the point values of what people have available to sell. So you might say, okay, you know, uh, cloth has been sold already. So even though cloth is typically worth more than spice, I want to focus on spice because the higher value spice cards are still available, you know, whereas diamonds are always the most um, and all the way down to leather, which is the least. So it's a fun game. Uh, I definitely recommend it. It's pretty inexpensive, but like I said, it's a two player game. Really, if you're looking for something easy to play on lunch at work with a significant other, um, even I think, I don't know if I would say necessarily kids, but I think that it's one of those games that if you have kids who have played games regularly or you have a, you know, early teenager is something that they could definitely get into. Because like I said, the general concept of what you do is not that hard, but there's a little bit of depth of trying to play that mind game against the person across from you. And there are definitely situations where you can say, hey, I'm going to just take this card because I don't want them to have it. Not that it's going to do me any good. Mm-hmm. So, which I, I kind of appreciate in games, but I highly recommend Jakur. Uh, if you have the opportunity to pick it up. Also, there is an app for it that I don't I have. I say that. It's yeah. good. It has a campaign in it. Right. I've heard it's really, yeah, I've heard the app is excellent. It's really inexpensive. I think it's like three bucks. Yeah, and the music's really good. The production quality is super high. I have it on my phone. It's really okay. Good. Yeah, yeah, so I definitely recommend Jaipur um, if you're, like I said, looking for that nice, easy game uh, to just sit down and, you know, you have a half hour at the end of the night before you go to bed or you want something to fill in that lunch break. I uh, definitely recommend it. And Josh recommends the app, it sounds like. So make sure you give that yeah. a play as well. Check it out. J-A-I-P-U-R, I believe, right? That is correct. Yeah. Oh, gee, guess guess who has to do with it? Asmodee. What a sucker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know. Asmodee has everything. That's okay. That's cool. So, And actually, I will say, even though you know Asmodee kind of rules the board gaming world, for a lot of the things, their apps tend to be extremely high quality. Yeah, yeah. They're absolutely yeah. very, very good. So. For comparison, we just bought Seven Wonders, the app. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Oh, really? <laughs> who it's made bad. it? Uh, the company who made the board game. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now. But any, uh, it just doesn't translate. I think the game is so good mm-hmm. that it doesn't translate well. You don't get that same feeling of seeing what people are playing next to you. Right. And having that like back and forth with everybody. Um, now I don't see the name of the company, but it's, uh, 
Repos production? Yeah. Repos? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's fine, but not for the price. Jaipur is a great example in Asm Day in general of how to make a good app. So, yeah. I love the art style on this too. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. It's cool. Absolutely. So, that's what I've been playing on my tabletop. You know, we don't just play tabletop games around here. We also play some video games. Josh, what have you been playing on your television lately? Sometimes we do just play board games. Oh! <laughs> and sometimes we do just play video games. Uh, no, not not the case this week. Um, I was like, I thought you finished something this week. I did. I play, I finished... Um, what did I finish? Let's see. I finished Feeling Young by playing Fortnite a bunch. Uh, what else? I played the Onrush demo which I encourage you to try just to listen to how terrible the voice actor is for the tutorial. Um, uh, it's interesting. It's like a multiplayer racing game. Like literally uh, it feels like doing a multiplayer match and that's not for me, unfortunately. Um, but yes, the big thing for me, I didn't know what, I didn't want to share like a picture. I didn't want it to be a spoiler. So I had to wait for a specific like part that I wasn't spoiling anything. Um, but after a repodcast last night, I was exhausted all day. <clears throat> and then I was like, we couldn't even watch a movie. And I just got the second wind. So I'm like, all right, God of War. So I started God of War at 10 p.m. last night. And I stayed playing until I think 2.30 a.m. <laughs> And I just, I think it was like my wife went to bed at like 1 a.m. And I was like, I should go to bed. But I was like, oh, I think I'm at the end. And I was, I was very close. Um, what can I say about the game? Let's see. <laughs> I will say I was very, they had a very cool plot twist at the end, which I, I was a huge fan of. Um, so that was really cool without spoiling anything. Uh, just as people said, just as Kyle said to me in the previous episodes, when I was talking about God of War and my God of War fatigue, I feel like after every time I got that fatigue, it wasn't very long till something came that rejuvenated my God of War spirit, so to speak. So I got, it got me right back into it. Um, and then I played for like another three hours this morning, four hours, just doing stuff I hadn't done. I didn't predict that at all. I thought I would be done. I was going to jump back into Far Cry and finish some stuff up before State of the of the K comes out. But I just had to see after it ends, the game like explicitly tells you there's way more stuff for you to do. And then like uh, characters specifically says to you, I'm paraphrasing, dude, everything is different. Go check things out. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do it. I got to go check things out. Have you gone home yet? No, but I will now that you said it. Thank you. <laughs> just, just go home. That's all I'm going to say. Go home. Okay. I'm going to do that then. That sounds great. I'm excited that you said that. I'm going to do that right after this podcast. <laughs> and I want you to message me after you've gone home okay. and tell right. me what you think about it. How do I find my home? It's there. When you look at the map, you'll see the gold circle. Oh, it says it's Josh's house. <laughs> right. It says Josh's house. Right. Exactly. For Josh's house. Can I fast travel there? Yeah. That's what I'll do. Um, no, I took down a couple of Valkyries. I died at, I died at one. I, I had a hard time leaving and not coming back, but I had to leave. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that I finished a game and I'm not powerful enough to 
Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'll probably keep playing it until we can hopefully, um, I'll start playing State of Decay 2. Um, I'm excited to check it out. So and a shout out to Sean Capri, because I feel like with everything that's been going on for State of Decay 2 press, I would have I would have still played it, but I wouldn't be excited to play it. And, mm-hmm. and Sean's really um, making me excited to play it, which is great. I'm, I'm excited to try the game. And then we'll see if it's another Sea of Thieves or if it's something else. <laughs> so I'm a huge State of Decay fan, and I'm really excited to play it. But do either of you, by chance, listen to the Game Informer podcast? No. no. So on the Game Informer podcast, they obviously right now Game Informer's cover story is Day is Gone. So they talk about how, you know, everything they've played in Days Gone is pre-alpha because the game isn't coming out still for like a year at this point. Right, yeah. Um, so on the last issue of the podcast, they did the review for State of Decay 2. And they said it's really fun to play. Like, playing it is fun. The act of playing it is fun. But the thing, and like I said, I, this was the, the problem. I don't want to say brutal, but like the comment that I heard that was like, ouch, that kind of hurts, is they said that, Playing Days Gone in pre-alpha was more polished than State of Decay is as a release. And I, I was like, ow. Like, and I love the first State of Decay. I have no doubts it's going to be buggy. But that was, I was like, well, It's also That's- a $30 game. Yeah, absolutely. They can patch, patch that. If it's- I, think, I, think much like, I think much like Sea of Thieves, it's going to be one of those games that's definitely better if you have other people to play with. Yes. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be, that's going to be what's going to make that game overall for people. And the theming for me, I'm much more interested in the state of decay theming versus the sea of thieves theming. So even if there's not a ton of meat on the bone there, I'm okay with it because if you get the right group of friends, which I mean, ours is pretty much built in at this point that we'll have people to play with. So I think we can make something out of it, but same uh, shout out to Sean Capri there, man, because everyone, Poo-pooing on it was like, uh, man, am I even going to bother downloading this? But now it's like, yeah, it's going to give it a shot. We'll find people to play with. It'll be fun. Have you been playing anything else, Josh? <sighs> no, no, no. But I did pick up Shadow of Mortar for 10 bucks on Pro Day. So we'll dive into that. I think I talked to Kevin about that a little bit. And uh, as much as I love the mythology and the story of Lord of the Rings, I wasn't the biggest um, first uh, you know, What's the first one called? Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor. Shadow yeah, second Shadow of War is the second Shadow one. Shadow of War is what I picked up. Sorry. Yeah. I wasn't the biggest fan of Shadow of Mordor, even though I did end up buying it digitally because it was on sale. Because I do want to revisit it and try it again. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I really, and I downloaded the Divinity 2 demo, uh, early access, but I haven't tried it yet. Gotcha. So, Kevin, sir, what have you been playing on your television? Oh, let's see. Uh, playing Hyrule Warriors for the Switch right now, the definitive edition. Uh, absolutely love that game. So I did play most of the game. Well, I guess you could say I beat the game on 3DS uh, before, but I never purchased any the DLC. But this game was good enough that I'm like, I want to play it again. Like, it's just a great hack and slash thing. So I, I know you guys aren't the biggest Breath of the Wild fans, and that's okay because this game is nothing like that. It, it is totally just Dynasty Warriors taking down, you know, hundreds of thousands of enemies in, you know, a single stage, just mass chaos, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a great button masher. Uh, does still have a story, uh, and it's a story that's there, not one you have to find memories for to get, like Breath of the Wild. So it's another win over there in that category, and all the DLCs included. So all the stuff I didn't even get to play with, I will eventually get to that point there. So whenever I can sneak away a few minutes, I'm kind of jumping into that. So highly recommend that. And the soundtrack on that game is absolutely killer. It's all like rock remixes of Zelda music. So it's like 
Trans-Siberian Orchestra version of uh, The Legend of Zelda stuff. It's very cool. Um, other than that, uh, playing Fortnite as well, like like Josh there, um, although I don't feel too too old for playing it. I'm, I'm okay. Um, and then the last, uh, I wrapped up Far Cry 5 finally, so that oh, game did? is in the books. I did. Okay. So Far Cry 5 is done. Uh, I mean, there's a couple side quests I can go back and wrap up, but like very few. I, I did most of the stuff while playing through, so... I will wait to see if Kyle finished it, but I have no problem with the endings. It was really cool. I did not see it coming, and I am super excited for the DLC because I already want to jump right back into Far Cry. Like That's how much I absolutely love this game. Game of the year for me so far, uh, definitely Far Cry 5, hands down. So, Ray, Before want- you say something, yeah, I, I see this list, and it says that you played a game that isn't Far Cry 5. <laughs> So yeah. I want to make sure we circle back to your promise that you wouldn't play another game before you finish Far Cry 5. I just want to check in. Okay. As I was <laughs> going to say, uh, the game that's on the list was the game was was on the list last week as well. Uh, I did jump back into Far Cry 5, and I wanted to try to get it finished before the podcast ah. we recorded but I have not finished it. Ah, boo. <laughs> I'm just and I know. <laughs> well, no, but I did jump back into it. I probably put another four hours into it. I oh, have no. two of the three siblings are taken care of at this point. So I'm working on finishing up the third one. And I am really glad other people are enjoying Far Cry 5 as much as they are. <laughs> I am not enjoying Far Cry 5 as much as everyone else is. And it happened, like, I don't know if it's just my ex- that I am the Donnie of this game, that every bug in the world is happening to me, or what is going on. But I went back in to Far Cry 5, and the first thing that happened is it gave me a person who I had to go to to get the quest from, because, you know, you have to go to them and you have to talk to them. The person just kept running. (laughs) Just running. So I'm trying to chase this person down, and I'm trying to run with them, and it's like they're in conflict, so they can't talk to you. There's nothing around us. And they just keep running. So it was like four, five minutes of them just running and me running behind them going like, <laughs> what is happening right now? What is going on here? And then finally they stopped. And then I tried to get the quest and it wouldn't load. So I tried oh, to no. talk to them. And it just, it just it, the talk thing would come up and I would hold it and it would still say that they're in conflict, but there's nothing around us. And now they're just standing there and they're not, I can't do anything. <laughs> I have this awesome image in my head. Kyle chasing someone. Kyle has a gun. He's running after someone. Yes. Wait, wait. I want to get a quest from you. Why are you running from yes, me? Yes, that's exactly what it was. Why are you scared of me with my with my shotgun running at you while we run down this street? What in the is middle this? of Montana? What is Josh? Did you have any issues? Because I have like one, and it was early in the game, and never again. So I don't I don't know why Kyle's getting all these. We we talked about it a little bit. I had no issues right away, and then. Immediately after the podcast, I said that I did have an issue, but it wasn't um, it wasn't as bad as what Kyle's been experiencing. Like I had a person, um, like a bear, attack the person while I was trying to talk to them, <laughs> uh, as they're known to do. You know, yeah. But realistically, everything else was pretty minor, so I haven't had anything really bad. I mean, and just as another example, and this wasn't a huge deal because it didn't affect gameplay at all. But there's in. Um, What's her name? The in Faith region, when you are in her bunker. Yeah. And you're, uh, I mean, I don't think this is really spoilery. You're trying to be like, let's get the sheriff out of here. Yeah. And you're talking to him and he's on the other side of the thing. He was just not there. 
like his, all of his dialogue happened he just wasn't there wow so i was like well all right and granted this was i went i was a little uh cavalier with the next portion and then i died so it was it was reloaded and i had to do it again and but yeah so like all of the stuff is there of him talking still but he's just not there at all i can understand uh, why that would affect your enjoyment totally. of the game for sure yeah so i will i will say though kyle once you get to like just about to take down the third uh well the second brother i guess mm-hmm. Uh, just plan on putting some time aside because the game goes really quick. Like it just ramps up and it goes right to the end. So don't, if possible, don't break that up. Get to him, do that, and just play Go through. and finish. And that was my goal. Like I said, I, I wanted to try to finish before we recorded because I was hoping we could do kind of a spoilery, spoiler cast mm-hmm. of it. But yeah. I, didn't, I didn't quite get to that point. But so I am I am trying to fulfill my promise because like Josh said, I, I said I would finish this game. Despite what I said earlier, I am very excited for State of Decay 2. I'm really looking forward to playing that game. I loved the first one. So I wanted to get this cleaned up before that and Detroit came out comes out. Yeah. So I want to get this done and oh, taken right. care of. Um, but the problem sometimes with fighting Far Cry 5 is I have to be in front of my television to do it. One thing that I can play that I don't have to be in front of my television for is Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. So I've still been playing through that game. I'm still really enjoying it. The only thing I don't like about the game is the boss fights. I just don't enjoy them. I think they're too long. I think that they expect, I don't want to say too much of you, but they, you know, they're your typical boss fight if it goes through multiple stages and in every stage you kind of have to attack the boss in a different way. But sometimes it doesn't even give you the opportunity to learn what it's supposed to do and it kills you. And you're like, what? I didn't even know that's what was going to happen here. Like, how can I prepare for that? And now I'm just dead. So now I lose, got to start over again. So that's my only thing I'm not a fan of are those boss fights. But otherwise, I think the world design is great. I think the music is solid. Um, I think the game looks pretty nice on in handheld mode because that's the only way I ever play my Switch. But overall, really enjoying it. I like a good platformer. I really enjoyed Celeste on it earlier in the year. I don't think the Joy-Cons have proved as much of an issue for this game as they did for me with Celeste. But yeah, I'm really enjoying Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. And then one other game that I did play just for a little bit because I could only play it for an hour, but I wanted to check it out, is I did download on Xbox's, early, what is their early access thing called? Game Preview? Mm-hmm. Game Preview. I downloaded Descenders on Game Preview and gave that a whirl. You can play an hour of it for freezies on the system if you want to. I, in my younger days, was I was a big biker and cyclist. That's actually where my name Psychocross comes from because I did cyclocross races. I just took the L out. So that's where that came from, actually. And so I wanted to try this game out. I don't usually like racing games as a whole, uh, but I figured this might split the difference a little bit. And honestly, I kind of enjoy this game. It's clearly still an early access game. There's a couple things that I think need to be tweaked and worked out a little bit. But this is a game when it comes to full release. I don't know if I'm going to spend the money now for it, but it's a game that when it comes to full release, I definitely am going to check out. If you're not familiar, what Descenders is, is a downhill mountain biking game. Is you are on a track, you can pull tricks if you want to, to get some more points and earn some more currency, uh, but you're trying to just get the best time. You on a track with an... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> some inside baseball. We have a chat that's running and Josh just posted a joke that really got me. So, <laughs> so but... You know, so you're on this track, you're going downhill, and you're kind of just trying to get the best time you can, pull off the tricks if you can't um, want to. I typically don't enjoy racing games as a whole. The one 
exception to that or the one kind of game that I make an exception to is probably SSX that you could call it a racing game because you typically are trying to compete for time. And I thought Descenders might fit into that. And it kind of does a little bit. It's not as over the top as SSX is. It'd be more akin to like skate is to skateboarding. Whereas when you're pulling these tricks, these are tricks that people actually can do. Uh, not like what you're doing in SSX Tricky. Right. So, but I really enjoy it. I think if you have access to game preview and you want to try out that hour, I think giving Descenders a shot is definitely worth it. Like I said, there's a few things that I hope they tweak. There's, it's kind of unclear like what you're supposed to do or even how you are get into the game. Uh, but the tutorial is brief, and, but gives you everything you need to jump in and kind of enjoy the game. So yeah, it's definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on. I'm another one of those things that Xbox is doing really well is by having that game preview program for you to check things out. Um, and for developers to be able to get their game onto the platform earlier. So just one more service that Xbox is offering that PlayStation isn't, that as a PlayStation-centric gamer, I sometimes am bummed about, but glad that I can take the opportunity on my Xbox to play these things. Does Descenders interest either one of you? Uh, I did play the early access. I will say, though, I also played it on PC a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say two years ago because I don't know when the game came out, but it's been, it's been a, while. a while. Yeah, um, it feels like maybe it was two years ago, but uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It it's definitely in the vein of a simulation BMX game. Um, so yeah, don't jump into it if you're thinking you're getting like a burnout or like a like a style game like that. It's definitely more along the lines of like <clears throat> skate, uh, maybe a little like Tony Hawk, but not not as like crazy level designs right um but yeah i mean it's just not a, a particular style of game that i would typically play but it wasn't a bad game yeah um, for sure and it is cool because it is um i mean the levels are randomly generated so obviously there's going to be a, a large mix of levels so there's a lot of replayability there and there is a course creator that you can create your own courses so there's going to be a lot of things for you to be able to do if you'd like to so pretty pretty good depth there of what they're shooting for for sure nice all right, so on to the topics of the show. Yellow is celebrating the seventh anniversary of King of Tokyo by holding a monster design contest on Board Game Geek. By the time you hear this, the deadline to submit entries will have already passed, so I apologize for that, but we thought it might be fun to talk about what we would have submitted, or maybe people are still going to submit, as an entry. So if we could create our own monsters for King of Tokyo, what would we create? As our guest, Kevin, I would love to hear your pitch for a King of Tokyo monster. What you thinking, sir? Uh, so first, I had an idea going into this. And then as I'm reading the official rules and they put you can't put any sort of like hate speech or anything like that on there, I came up with a second idea that would not that would not be accepted in this competition. So I'll go with my 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 genuine entry here first. Okay. If you'd like to hear my second idea, then I then I can I can do that this time. First thing that came to my mind sharknado put sharknado right in there so from the movie it's just a giant tornado full of sharks there you go wow sharknado so have you played king of tokyo kevin i know you have I, it i have it i've not played it yet. i tried to get it to the table and i was reading the rules and the family immediately was like nah okay so <laughs> well this might be a little bit of putting you on the spot then so there is the power of expansion for king of tokyo is where uh the monsters can have their own special powers what, okay. are, what powers do you imagine Sharknado having? It would probably have something to do with clearing the board, I would imagine. 
uh, as it's spiraling around, maybe we can do something as wipe out tokens or something from the board or, or markers where you're you can relocate your opponents, maybe perhaps to catch them up in the tornado and kind of put them across in a different place of your choosing. Because I, I do know the premise of the game is to be it's basically like a king of the hill type of thing, and you want to keep everyone else out of that zone and, and maintain that that property. So maybe its special ability is moving, pushing people farther back away from the center. That would be interesting to force people to move into Tokyo if they don't want to, or yep. force them out if they're not ready to. Yep. That would be interesting. Josh, what say you, sir? Do you have feedback for Kevin's monster or a monster of your own to pitch? Well, I get I have good news for Kevin. Not not uh, what we're talking about, but if you get Smash Up, they did a set where you could get sharks and tornadoes and combine them together <laughs> to make Sharknadoes. There you go. Uh, and I have that, so we can always play sometime. There you um, go. I, I was thinking, so my wife had an idea. I won't use that one right now if we have time. Um, it's not an original idea necessarily, but when I think of this game and I think of something that terrifies me, I think of spiders. I'm, I have this ridiculous fear of spiders. I know it's not, it doesn't make sense, but I'm literally thousands of times bigger than them. <laughs> but a thousand human-sized spiders, that would be terrifying. Uh, take a spider... <laughs> And put it into this game. But I'm not thinking like Lord of the Rings spider or Harry Potter spider. I'm thinking we literally buy the license to Wild Wild West and we put Will Smith in the pilot seat of a giant mechanical spider. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. I think that seems like a great idea. That is. That's great. And his special ability would be distract and the lid opens and jiggy with it plays and everyone dances while you do a turn for free why but if we got the right okay yeah it's that's gotta be the wild, wild west song yeah i guess i'm partial to jiggy with it well i mean so is everyone <laughs> but i mean you gotta stay with the theme here yep absolutely okay so the giant mechanical spider all right that's cool with will smith as the pilot thank you okay don't forget right. that yeah that is the most important part <laughs> so for me Everyone knows my affinity for a specific animal. Oh, God, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite animal, for those listeners who may not know, my favorite animal is the hippo. I love hippos. I think they're the coolest animals. I think they're extremely underappreciated and underrated because they're really awesome and terrifying. Get so, killing machines. I know. And if you you know heard any of our time talking about uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, I talked about my displeasure of having to kill hippos, even though they were jerks a lot. Uh, so, obviously, for King of Tokyo, if I'm going to make a monster, I am just making a huge hippo. Like, that's all it's going to be is a massive, massive hippo. And as a fun hippo fact, his special ability, or her special ability, its special ability, we'll say, hippos, when they go to the bathroom... Yes, I was so hoping you were going <laughs> to They yes. flail their tail around to fling their poo all over the place. So that is what the special ability would be, would be to, um, by spinning its tail, basically you could take and change the results of die of your opponents. So oh. I, so like that's to me, I was trying to figure out like if it just did damage or if it like block them out of a spot because it'd be gross. And I was like, well, let's have like a real like cool, maybe different gameplay effect is that you'd be able to either change the results or force them to re-roll, which would probably be a little more fair and not feel as bad. Because um, potentially the results could still be great, but that's kind of like represents the flinging of things. It just takes all the dice, throws them all over the place, and you have to re-roll them. So that would be my primary monster that I would create for King of Tokyo, a giant hippo that flings his poo everywhere. I like it. All right. I think we have time 
Kevin, you said you had a second one. I know I have a second one. Hopefully Josh does as well. If we're going to put him on the spot anyway. Kevin, what is your second king of Tokyo monster? Donald Trump. <laughs> and his special ability is he can take king of Tokyo whenever he wants. And he will pay off opponents to stay away from the king of Tokyo square with perks or something. But if you don't spend that money quickly, it's gone. Yep. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's, all right. A, uh, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> so it, it wouldn't be allowed by the rules, but I thought of it. So, <laughs> Josh, do you have a second monster for King of Tokyo? Well, I'll tell you what my wife said. Yeah, my wife said that she would have a unicorn, and when I said unicorns can't fight, she said it would use its horn, which is would, reasonable, and it yep. would poop out rainbows. So, right along with that hippo. We have a pooping, spearing, giant <laughs> unicorn. What would happen when it pooped out rainbows? That's a great question. I feel like it would be, um, it would be kind of like Kevin's thing, where everyone chases to find the end of the rainbow. Oh! But instead of a pot of gold, it's just a bunch of poop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't it be a pot of gold? Why can't, I mean, it could be, you know, they could. Can you have, imagine like, passing gold coins? Energy cube? Maybe it's <laughs> jelly beans, like a whole bunch of jelly beans. Oh. Hey, or is that ice cream, like that disturbing commercial? Oh, oh okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. My final monster that I had has nothing to do with number two. So that's a tough <laughs> thing, I guess. Um, and the one and mine actually is also a movie tie-in, oddly enough, but okay. not Josh's movie tie-in, um, because we're going to need Kevin Bacon for this one. It's a Footloose monster? It is not a Footloose monster. <laughs> it is the, sna- the the landworm from Tremors. Yeah, nice. Oh, and, a, and a cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes, I'm going to have the landworm, or whatever you want to call it, from Tremors um, as the other monster that I think would be a great addition to King of Tokyo. As far as its special ability goes, uh, have you either of you ever seen the movie Tremors? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's not, very, <laughs> um, it's, it's not a great movie. So uh, it's, it's not a great movie. It's, it's uh, fun to watch, but it's yes. not great. Yeah. Uh, because of that, um, what it be- would basically force to, you, people to do is for, um, their power rolls when you can get one, two, or three energy or power, energy, energy, um, it would reduce the, all of those by one. So your all of your threes become twos, all your twos become ones, all your ones are not worth anything. You're clearly the game designer out of the three of us. Because <laughs> this is not worth it. It's not that good. So, <laughs> I know, right? That, that would be, and then obviously it's going to force people to hopefully go for either hearts to increase their hearts or for, uh, as we affectionately call it in my house, attackies. Um, to reduce the damage. That's what we call the, the claws. We call them attackies um, to reduce the damage. So that is our monsters for King of Tokyo. Go ahead, head over to Board Game Geek. Check out the, they're going to have a poll there, I believe is what they're going to do uh, to check out the designs submitted by people and to let us know, clearly ours are the best ones, but we wanted to give everyone else a chance. So we're going to let them duke that up over there on Board Game Geek. Second topic time. I'm going to pull a little. Oh, I love these. Head fake. Well, the head fake is on Josh. I'm oh, just going to have you on it. Yeah. Josh, do you want to take us through our second topic of the show? Yeah. You always liked me. I thought you were going to do 
the trademark. Okay, so, so if unless you've been living under a rock, Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 4 had its reveal, and it covered a lot of topics, uh, more than you would imagine a Call of Duty thing would cover. Um, but the biggest thing that everyone's talking about is the Battle Royale mode, which is affectionately being called Blackout. Um it's not a lot of specific details. Um, they did say it's going to be the biggest map they've ever done. And if I remember correctly, they said it was going to be like 1,500 times bigger than a Call of Duty standard multiplayer map. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the number. Yep. But uh, keep in mind, their multiplayer maps are rather small. Very yeah. small, right. It's not Battlefield big. Um, yeah. It will have land, sea, and air vehicles. Um, but the big question is, are we excited about this? And then the second question is... <laughs> Is there a specific game or games that we think should have a battle royale mode? So let's start with Kevin on the first part of that question. All right. So am I excited about this? Ironically enough, yes. Um, I'm not a Call of Duty fan. I've played a couple of the campaigns throughout the years, never touched multiplayer, just was not my thing at all. But I did watch this tra- this whole reveal as it happened. Um, and it got me mildly excited. I, I don't know if I'd be any good at it, but the battle royale, I'm a sucker for that apparently right now between PUBG and Fortnite. It just gets my attention right off the bat. And if they do it correctly, I, they're going to destroy PUBG first off. Hands down is more of a tactical thing. And then Fortnite, it, it may not destroy it, but it's going to be a better game simply because it doesn't have to worry about being free type thing. Like it's going to be of a higher production value. Um, the one concern I do have, though, uh, they talk about the land, sea, and air vehicles. You've never been able to pilot an air vehicle in Call of Duty. You're only able to shoot from it on a predetermined path. So unless you actually get to pilot these vehicles, I think that cheapens it just a little bit as far as what they could be doing. Um, But yeah, I do want to see it in action. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see actual gameplay from that mode uh, determined. But as it stands right now, for once, this is actually Call of Duty. I'm like, I might buy this one. Kyle. What's wow. new? I, I knew Kevin was potentially excited about this, but I didn't know that this was now a probably or maybe probably purchase for him. But for me, I'm actually really looking forward to this. I moderately enjoy the bat. Like I, PUBG is fine. I prefer Fortnite to PUBG just from an aesthetic and, and how the gameplay feels to me. Yeah. But when it comes to multiplayer shooters, I played a lot of Call of Duty in my day. I still played. I mean, I'm bummed this one's not going to have a campaign because I've still played every campaign including just finishing up the World War II one not that long ago. But I haven't played a ton of the multiplayer since probably Black Ops 2, I think, was probably the last time I put a lot of time into multiplayer. But back in the day, you know, with um, Modern Warfare and then World at War and then the first Black Ops and uh, Modern Warfare 2 and all those, like, I was putting, you know, the number of hours I put into multiplayer in those games would put the number of hours I've put into Overwatch multiplayer to shame. I mean, that was like what I did every night was I played Call of Duty multiplayer. So I, I really have a strong affinity for the way that game feels and the way that game plays. And for me, this is what makes me more interested in this mode because say what you will about Fortnite, say what you will about PUBG, neither one of them feel like Call of Duty. And I like the way Call of Duty feels right. when I play it, which makes me want to try this out. I am bummed there's no campaign, but I think with having the multiplayer, having this mode, having the zomb- a really robust zombies mode, this makes me much more interested. If this was just zombies and multiplayer and there was no campaign, it would be an immediate no for me. But this mode 
might be enough to make me want to jump in. The question will be, do I have to play it day one or can I wait for a price drop? And then how many, how populated will that mode still be? That's the part I'm a little worried about as to where that's going to end up. What about you, Josh? So I'm not, a, I don't share your excitement, um, which my, my answer to the second question will probably explain that. Um, but I think like Kevin said, like he didn't have the land, sea and air thing. I, I just think that this, and maybe it's pessimistic of me to think this, but you guys have played Star Wars Battlefront 2, right? Or nope. Battlefront 1? Yes. Or, yeah, the first one, but not the second one yet. There's land vehicles. There's no sea vehicles. There's air vehicles. There's 64 players on the map. I just feel like we're going to be getting, or just a regular battle Battlefield game or Battlefront game or whatever. I just feel like we're going to get one of those games just because Call of Duty hasn't done it before it's going to feel different for them and obviously it's they even they haven't even said how many players it's going to be yet mm-hmm. so we don't even know if it's going to be 100 and i doubt that it will be because of the complexity of call of duty like the controls that kaya likes i get that i i enjoy that as well but i really feel like in, in my mind i'm just feeling like it's call of duty um battlefield with a single player elimination which they already had in a game mode in Call of Duty previous games. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm I'm just not excited about it, but mostly because of how jaded I am about the story. I'm just really not happy with them about the campaign. So to be totally transparent, that's really affecting my view on the rest of the game and I don't think I'm alone in the world of campaign players especially Black Ops, because the story has been so good in the Black Ops series, in my opinion. And it's way different than anything you've seen in the Call of Duty stories. It's it's gritty. It's interesting. You don't really know what's going to happen because it's not based. You're not basing it off of a historical event that you've experienced. Um, So for me, you know, it might be different because I've never had a group of people that I played zombies with except from like my brother. So it might be different if we're all playing zombies that might persuade me to get the game, but uh, nothing that they've announced is selling me on buying it. Now had they launched this with a trailer for the campaign, I probably would have been 50% more likely to buy it. Not necessarily at the level that I would need to buy it, but I'd be, I'd be much closer. So if if they had a kind of pain, you would maybe potentially purchase it. Yeah. Because if they don't have a campaign. So even if they have the thing you want, you're still not necessarily going to get the game. I'm at like 20% out of 100 (laughs) right now. And if they had a campaign, I would probably be at 70%. Okay. The thing I'm wondering is, so there's no campaign. Everything is multiplayer based. I fully expect it, but how do they have the nerve to then charge you a season pass when literally nothing is going to be disc based per se? It's a player base. They'll, they'll buy it. They know it. I, I know, but that's kind of like, that's the one thing that does not have me as a full on um, buying this because it's like, okay, well, if I buy it, but I don't buy a season pass, basically is the game just not playable because right. there's nothing well, there. I'm, I'm wondering. This is the line, I think, right? So we have this, they just, they literally drew a line in front of all gamers and they said, if this is a good selling game, we're just going to continue doing it like this. Oh yeah. But if this is a bad game and we don't sell, well, if we don't sell a lot of copies, we're just going to throw in a campaign mode. 
and it, it might not be good. Like Coach uh, today, he tweeted, he's like, I heard a rumor, some uh, someone reported, and if you read the report, it's just conjecture, people assuming. Oh, yeah. Based, taking things out of context. But they're like, oh, they might throw in a campaign after the game comes out. These games, these companies, they work on story and campaign for a long time. Yeah, they do. Even if it's a, even like with Battlefront 2, their very short campaign, it was still something they put years into making or a year mm-hmm. into making the years. So if they if they, they go, oh my God, we sold 12 million less units because we didn't have campaign or whatever the number is that causes them for their wallets to hurt, so to speak, like, are they going to rush out a campaign? Well, it's interesting because Treyarch said, and again, who knows how much of this is PR speak, Treyarch said that they never intended to make a campaign for this game. Yeah, very very blatantly said, we only had the intentions of making a multiplayer game. Yep. So... That we'll makes see what it, happens. Yeah, because you know there were the rumors of it being canceled or it wasn't going to be done, so they just weren't going to do it. But yeah, they came out and said that we never intended. And I think that might be one of the reasons why we have three zombies experiences at the start. Right. Because typically those have been things that, yes, you had to get the the season pass. And then with each iteration from the season pass, you got a new zombies expansion or a new zombies uh, map slash story. I think maybe that they took that effort and put that single player effort into that zombies area. And that's the reason we're getting three of them at the start is they kind of want that to serve as the narrative experience, which you technically can play by yourself. I don't think that's the best way to play zombies, yeah, but, you know, you know, <laughs> no. but you can do it. So, but yeah, I'm sure that they probably will have a season pass. I have gone back and forth. I haven't always bought the season passes for call of duty, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure that we will, we will get one. All right, so sticking with you, why don't we hit the second part? So, Kyle, what games do you think should have a Battle Royale mode? I want a Battle Royale mode from a game that is purely or almost purely uh, hand-to-hand combat, whether that be For Honor or whether that be like a bringing back Bushido Blade or something like that. I just want a game where the combat is completely hand-to-hand and that is the Battle Royale mode. It can even be the same general idea of like, oh, you're on an island, the thing gets smaller. I had the idea of maybe trying to get to the top of a skyscraper might be cool too, if like everybody, you're working your way up and as you're going up, it's the uh, skyscraper gets narrower so that obviously you're gonna be more likely to run into people, but the only way out is there's a helicopter at the top and you have to get to that. But anyway, yeah, I just wanna have a hand-to-hand combat game. Um, For Honor was the one that jumped to me right away that I think it might be cool if they had something like that, so. Cool, Kevin, what about you? Super Smash, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think I think I said it during the podcast uh, that was released this week. Give me my Fallout Battle Royale. Give really? me that universe. Give me that world. You know, get power armor, go on the run. You can have nukes. You can do hand to hand if you want. There's all different approaches you could take. Because uh, obviously, if you're not in power armor, you can move faster, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that world would lend itself well, and it wouldn't take a lot of horsepower because we all know how uh, Bethesda just goes glitchy, and you know, you have your little less than uh, subpar graphics there going. So you can probably easily do a. Little, it'll probably look like PUBG. Hopefully, it <laughs> plays better, but it'll probably visually look like PUBG. But that's okay. Give me my Fallout universe. That's what I want to see. And uh, yeah, it's just another Battle Royale game, but I think it'll be enough to have a little bit of a different twist for me. Cool. Well, for me, I'm good where we're at. I I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) We don't need any more Battle Royale games. Right now, we have PUBG, Fortnite, the Darwin Experience, or uh, 
what's the name of it? Darwin something. The Darwin Project? Project, thank you. I should have known that. And that's good. I'm good. We don't need any more. We're already going to get a Battlefield and a Call of Duty. Most likely, yeah. That's two more than I need. Uh, I'm happy. <laughs> There'll be more. There'll be more, don't you worry. I got Fortnite is my um, cartoony, more uh, laid back. It's arcadey. Arcadey, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Battle Royale mode. I got my black. I got my bad, bad player unknown. <laughs> I, there's so many things that start with battle. I get them all mixed up. Uh, I get my player unknown. That's more sim- simulation, almost like Arma, like H1Z1. We also have H1Z1. Oh, that's, oh, right. yeah. that's coming. Yeah, that's coming to PlayStation this year. So, so. I'm good. I'm going to be sick of talking about this in negative one month. So I think <laughs> all of the Battle Royale modes. So you're gonna, be, you're gonna be sorely disappointed at E3 then, because you're gonna hear that a lot. Yeah, I, I really, I really anticipate being very disappointed in most pre- press it, conferences. It's gonna be like game. the Xbox. <laughs> it's gonna be like the Xbox thing we all got sick of, like Xbox exclusive. You're just gonna yeah. hear battle royale in every game, just battle royale, Mario yeah. Kart battle royale. Except for Cliffy B, we won't hear anything from him. No, no. Wow, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. I really, I really would love to see him. Uh, get it on board of Microsoft. I think they covered that on the Xbox drive. Yeah, they did. I, I, I think that's him. a good place for him. That's a good place for him. Yeah, I met him. He's a super cool guy. I really wish him the best of luck. I, it's just an easy joke to make right now. Man, Man. that's what I go for, the easy jokes. That's true. <laughs> well, if you think about it, though, I mean, he's the one who introduced Fortnite, you know, so he was the one who talked about that the first time. So he's got, you know, he can come back, do some other cool things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he did that, you know, little Gears of War thing, too, but, you know, who plays those games? God of War? No, I said Gears of War. Oh, God of Yeah, G-O-W. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the other of War game. So, awesome. And to finish up the podcast, as always, we love getting a listener questions from all of you. And you can hit us up at Board of Fiji on Twitter. Super listener Splig hit us up and said, hey, what's a game theme genre you typically dislike? And a game in that category that's good enough to make you overlook your dislike and enjoy. TV or tabletop is fine. Splink says that they typically dislike sports games, but love Rocket League or arcade sport games like NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. So, Kevin, what's the genre you typically don't like, but what's the game that that stands above the rest that makes you enjoy that genre? So, I'm not going to steal his answer, but I'm definitely on board with the same thing. I'm not a big fan of sports games, but the arcade stuff, SSX Tricky, it's better even brought up. That's like one of my all-time favorites. Uh, NBA Street, like games like that I love. But bringing it to the tabletop world to to respect the podcast i'm on um bluffing games i'm not a big fan of bluffing games i think it's kind of been overdone uh done to death if you will and but the one that has kept my interest and i'll still go back to every once in a while I'll probably be broken out again this summer is uh one night ultimate werewolf and i think the only reason that that is is because the app makes it so much easier to do if there was no app for it i don't see me playing it at all and i don't see me being able to get people into it as easily like the app really helps coax people into it say okay you don't really have to do much let this go it just tells you what to do you can go ahead and do it and thankfully i think that's the only reason i I play it and still go back to every once in a while but bluffing games just not my thing do you know what they're doing next werewolf no uh google one night uh ultimate werewolf legacy okay and while you do that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's gonna, terrible podcasting, Josh. No, I'm going to jump in and, and I'm going to give you my answer because um, I could I could do the exact same thing as Plague with the sports genre, 
um, very easily because um, <clears throat> I have the same issues. I really was thinking about board games and I totally, to be honest, have not found a genre of board games I don't like, um, which I was thinking, I was like, that can't possibly be true, but it really isn't. I think I just like the social experience enough mm-hmm. that I can pretty much enjoy most things. Um, but I don't like platformers. Really? Um, I don't like them. Okay. And I was trying to think, I want your help in telling me what I'm not thinking of that I liked because I haven't played the new, newest Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. I never really liked the Jack and Daxters or the old Ratchet and Clanks. Okay. Um, or Crash or Spyro. Are we considering just Mario a platformer? Yeah. So Mario is yep. probably the only platformer that I can say I really enjoy. And it's probably just because of how young I was when I started playing it. Have you played the Rayman games? Yeah. And while I I enjoy them, they, it gets to a point where it hits too platformy, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Now, do you, have you only played, like, when you say Mario, are you referring only to, like, the 2D ones, or have you played, like, Mario Odyssey, like, the three-dimensional ones? I traded in Mario Odyssey. Wow. I, did not, I did not like it. Um, and I think the only reason... I love Mario 64, but I think it's because I played sitting next to my brother. Right. And our friends, and we would pass the controller. I think it just gets too much for me. Okay. And, like, Mario Odyssey, I started feeling helpless because I want to do everything. I don't like skipping past stuff. Oh, okay. And coming yeah. back to it, it really, and that's why I had some, a struggle with God of War too at the beginning because I had to skip so many things because I just couldn't, I didn't have the right equipment yet to get through things. So uh, yeah, Mario Odyssey, Mario Galaxy, Mario Sunshine, I just couldn't get into them. If I'm going to talk honestly about Mario, it's like Mario 1, 2, 3, All-Stars, World. stuff like that. World, Yoshi's Island. I like those games. Okay. Have you, do you consider or have you played, you know, for, you know, the term that's used now, like your Metroidvanias, do you enjoy that genre? No. Okay. No. And, and I want to, I keep trying to get into them. Like I, I buy them and I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to like this game. <laughs> I just can't, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe I just don't have the coordination or the whatever, whatever that skill is that lends people the ability to finish and enjoy platformers i just don't mm-hmm. have it um i find them difficult and uh, not fun no that's totally fine i like platformers just because i feel like they are like they are as gamey as games get like they are a game you know so that's why i think i just yeah. enjoy them so much but no that's totally cool i definitely understand not having an affinity for that genre so kevin what do you think of uh one night legacy i, I so i'm reading it and i don't know like it's all <laughs> It's almost like I don't want to like it, but I'm like, huh, this is kind of interesting. So it's going to come I, with a huge tome. Yeah, I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the pictures of it. Yeah, the diary. changes the game as you play, and you're entering town records, and the game changes every time you play it. See, that's kind of cool. And I mean, that's something we could play over the summer with the same group of people, no problem, like the beach house. But yep. like, if I didn't do it that time of year, it would just be the four of us in my house, which wouldn't be terribly fun. But yeah, it's it's actually kind of cool. I, I I almost like this. <laughs> that was about the best you'll ever get from Kevin. He almost probably. Yeah. I, yeah. Thought, I thought you might like it. I just wanted to make sure you knew it existed. Yeah, I did not. This is cool. But I mean, the artwork is definitely upgraded and the, the game appears to be a little different too. So yeah. 
Awesome. Hey, the what my genre real briefly. I'm not a big fan of strategy slash god games. I really am not a fan of uh, those games where you're looking above and you have to like kind of send units to do things. Like I just don't really get into those. Uh, the one that I've played though that I did enjoy was actually in VR, uh, and that was on PlayStation VR, oh. and that was the game called Tethered. Oh yeah. Which I actually re- uh, reviewed for play some video games back in the day. I really liked that game. Uh, I think being having it in VR just made the entire experience feel so different than what those games typically feel like, where I, I feel so removed from them when you're just like looking at this over map on the field and you're just like moving mm-hmm. stuff around. Uh, whereas when in the VR experience, you're like down right there with them, you feel like you're more part of what's going on in the game. So for me, that was the game that changed my thoughts on that a little bit or stood out from other games I'd played in that genre, and that was tethered on PSVR. So with that, I think we've probably hit about time to say goodbye. Josh, what do you think? Should we wrap this up? Why not, right? <laughs> we've got to end at some point. Um, before we do our normal, um, I want to give a big shout-out to Kevin. Thanks for uh, being one of our biggest champions um, for getting us to where we are and being a great support for me specifically, especially in PSVG. So um, I'm super happy. We're super happy to have you as our first guest, even though Donnie was throwing some shade, asking oh, when, yeah. he's, when he's ever going to get on here. Um, but uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, that being said, for everyone else, thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, you know where to find us. If I haven't driven it into you hard enough, I'm not going to give you all of the email addresses and the spellings. Just look for us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. And we have an email address. I'm still waiting. We have one submission so far for our contest. So get your submissions in. It's okay if you are on PSVG, Kevin. (laughs) Doesn't mean you're going to win unless you're that confident. Get your submissions in. Uh, I really want to... The biggest part for me about this podcast is putting games into people's hands who would otherwise not play them. And that is something that I can do through this and would look forward to doing more throughout the year. So send us your emails or your DMs on Twitter or even Instagram uh, so we can get you a game at some point. Uh, Hey, Josh, can you remind me what the... um what they have to do, what, what yeah. we're looking for from them. And maybe you remind the people listening, right? So about, I want to say it's two episodes ago now. This will be the third episode from then. Um, we did the Dice Tower Award nominees. And all you have to do is listen to us talk about it, or even just go to dicetower.com and look up the award nominations. Send us an email, a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Give us your picks for each category. What we're going to do is we will take a tally of everyone. The person who has the highest percentage correct will win one of those games. What I'll do is I'll send you an email, say you won, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me which of those games you already own so we don't send you a copy of a game you already have. Uh, I will not be sending you Gloomhaven. (laughs) (laughs) This one says... uh, Darn it. Um, so if you think you're tricky and you're going to be like, I have them all except for Gloomhaven, well, then I'm going to get you a game that isn't out yet. <laughs> <You can't laughs> uh, so that's all you got to do. 
And uh, yeah, and then maybe this will get your feet wet and you'll want to send Kyle that fan fiction. You already Still got waiting. an email. You already get it sent. Uh, you can send, why don't you send us a, a King of Tokyo inspired from our monsters fan fiction? Whatever you want. <laughs> we'll leave out Trump though. <laughs> yeah, it's for the better. And I'll leave out my plugs. You guys know where to find me. But Kevin, for the people who might not listen to PSVG or who don't hear your voice, multiple times in a week where can people find you what are you up to so i'm on all of the podcasts uh, especially this week apparently so it's all good uh and and don't don't feel left out that josh did not spell out everything for you he did on this week's psvg so you probably <laughs> already heard it uh he did it again um you can find me on twitter at psvg kevin check out the website psvg.blog see all the cool stuff we're doing there you can find all the podcast listings there uh but before I throw it to Kyle, though, thank you guys for having me on. I will say doing what you do is not easy at all. Um, not just only talking about what you talk in podcasting in general, because we know not everybody's cut out to do it. The way you describe things, it makes sense to people who may not even be familiar with those things, myself included. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of mine. Actually, oh, my kid, I get all my board game news from the two of you. And I can listen to a game I've never heard before, and I always understand walking out of it, at least the concept of what it is, what it does. And I can't imagine that's an easy thing to describe that. Uh, so you guys do a great job doing that. I, I encourage people to listen, engage, play some of these games because they can be just as enjoyable as playing a video game or anything else. So kudos to you guys. You've done a fantastic job. Keep up well, the good work. And, that means and, a lot. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, as to finish things out, as always, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, or Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. If you have any suggestions for future topics, go ahead and reach out to us on the social medias. And to steal Kevin's tagline like I have for 32 episodes in a row, for the 33rd episode in a row, remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com